Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome everybody to the Last Lap Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Pearson, and alongside me, as always, is my co-host, Sean Gray. Hello, troops. How are we doing? Good, good. And not alongside me, as always, but is alongside me because he's here today, because we invited him. He's a <laughs> uh, long-time podcast stalwart, Nicky Holdenby. Hello. Stalwart? <laughs> it's only been a year. Hasn't it? <laughs> How you doing, Nicky? Good to have you, man. Thank you. How are you both? Yeah, it's been a good start to good. the season. It has. My positive vibes from um, the season pre- season preview when we last spoke have carried on into May. So that's a good, that's certainly better than probably the last <laughs> two or three years. So. I, think, I think I'd like to change the order that I said would be in the season preview. <laughs> oh, really? No. really yeah. Yeah. Guess what? I, I don't. I'd like to stick with mine. <laughs> You put Ferrari first. I remember I, I boldly called Vettel as the as the future champion of the season, so I would like to stick to that. Fair enough, fair play. So, <clears throat> in the former Soviet Union, under the watchful gaze of Vlad Putin, we had fifteen good laps. The rest were all crap, except Fernando, who couldn't get going. Love it. <laughs> it works. I was admittedly a bit apprehensive when you your name dropped Putin there to see where that was going, but um I know my place. <laughs> uh, yeah. so, so Russia. Indeed. Uh a, a GP which we might be Russian through, possibly, uh <laughs> due to a, a, a sad lack of uh I was going to say mid-race action, but the the middle of the race shouldn't really be from sort of lap seven onwards. Um, <laughs> should should be at least getting to lap twenty-five before we start going. And now's the bit where no, nothing happens. Uh, well, well, where do we start with this? Um, we we had, uh, I guess you'd say it was an interesting practice and qualifying session where, for all intents and purposes, it seemed like Ferrari had it in the bag. Um, Massively fast in all of the free practices ahead of the Mercedes, pretty much. Um, but coming into actual qualifying, the Mercedes seemed to, at least in free, uh, in quality one and quality two, managed to you know find a bit of pace. Uh, well, Bottas did. Oh well, yeah, Lewis that's true. really did. Lewis kind of looked off the pace all weekend, didn't he? And including in the race, just didn't seem to to have the setup or groove or whatever this weekend. So it was a very strange one from Lewis's point of view. Now, we've not seen him have a weekend like that for a long time where he's just comprehensively outperformed in every session, pretty much. Like, that's no, it's, it's not like you know, that's not what we've become used to in a Lewis Hamilton Mercedes, you know, team. So it was very, even now, a, a week later since the Grand Prix, I, I'm still not sure what the explanation was for Lewis's lack of pace. Maybe one of you guys can enlighten me, but I, I, I don't see any reason why he wasn't able to to compete. You know, even in the race, he ended up something like, I don't know, over half a minute behind or something. Like, that's not, that's, 
it was like he'd swapped shoes with with like Kimi Raikkonen versus Sebastian Vettel sort of thing, <laughs> being half a minute behind in the same machinery. Like it was just it was just very strange from Lewis's point of view. Uh, yeah, but like you say, Ferrari, yeah, they looked like they had it in the bag. Valtteri managed to to put some pace together in quality, and and that 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 really, you know. That, that was, was the, almost the difference. It, Get, I was just going to say it was it, it essentially makes the story of the race. Yeah, because if yeah. he if he ends up third, you you wonder if during the race he'd really how easy it would have been for him to get past Kimmy. Well, exactly. You know, and you know, you say where where should we start? You know, with this with this Grand Prix, given the, the lack of sort of excitement should we say I suppose where we should start is just to say a big well done to Valtteri Bottas at the end of the day that's probably where we should start it was he drove you know from our point of view it was a pretty dull race but he drove the perfect race in a dull race you know he got to the he got he got he qualified ahead of his teammate in qualifying he got a good start he jumped to Ferraris and he never looked back you know he didn't he didn't really have the pressure but put on him because of the lack of pace from the Ferraris in the race, but he, he, um, yeah, he did everything right that he had to. So I guess big well done to him is the first first point you would have to say. It was one of those races that could have done with an extra five laps on the end, wasn't it? I wonder if if it had gone on five laps longer, if Seb would have caught him yeah. enough to make it. Was him one of the, yeah, it's one of those races where you kind of wish, ooh, Falling apart tires was quite a good thing, wasn't it? When <laughs> people couldn't just hang out on a pair of uh, super soft tires for nearly the entire race, or or, or how whatever many, we. Uh... How many laps did Hulkenberg do on ultra softs? Was it about forty or something? It was, uh, it was the ultra soft day. Like like th- 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 over half the race, wasn't it? By the time yeah. he actually ended up going off of them, uh, <laughs> not exactly ultra soft. We'll have to have an ultra <laughs> ultra soft next year. Well, it, 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 it's interesting, isn't it? Because Daniel Ricciardo has been in the press this week saying yeah. he doesn't understand why the hard tyre is being brought to, brought to Spain. And essentially that's what happened, hasn't it? Is that the hard tyre is now entirely defunct. There's yeah. nowhere that's going to be hard enough that the medium can't possibly cover your needs in terms of a long-term tyre, uh, unless they actively start running races on broken glass and sandpaper. <laughs> that's not a bad idea. <laughs> like, well, they just have little strips of it every now and again, like um, Mario Kart, like anti-boost strips from Mario Kart was where exactly where I was going. To go. Um, yeah, your 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 points, you know, quite right. That it would have been interesting to see had you know in the next five laps would something else have happened. But and we've said that a couple of times with with races in the past, haven't we? Where it, it seems like whatever the finely balanced detail is. It's uh, it, it's quite a big window for that to happen. So, um, the Ferrari strategy on this one. I, well, what do you guys think about the Ferrari strategy of keeping Vettel out for longer um, to give him faster tyres for the rest of the race? But bad call or good call? Uh, I think ultimately it was the right call. They just didn't quite have the pace. I don't think it would have made too much difference. No, that, that's, kind of what, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Um, he was still on the pace of Bottas after he Yeah. Quit. So. 
they had the pace to, to match Bottas's times. I just don't think it would have made a difference. I don't think he would have been able to get past. If there was another yeah. ten, if there was another ten laps, if they changed the strategy, if they kept the strategy, it was if there was ten laps more, whatever, no matter what happens, whatever variable you want to change, I think ultimately he would have got to the back of Bottas and then struggled to get past. I think mm. it was one at the start. It was a proper case of whoever gets to the first corner first won the race. And I don't think it would have made a difference what strategy they did or whether there was extra laps. I think it would have been that tough to get past it. it we would have been, you know, we would have had a barnstorm or finish with Vettel all over the back of him, but I just, I don't, I don't think he would have got it done. No. And, it, and, and there's the fact that he didn't, he wouldn't really have needed to take a, a daft risk of lunging one up the inside that might have lost him, a, you know, any points at all. When Lewis was stuck in fourth, he knows deep down as his main championship rival. You know, Valtteri, great win, but I think ultimately Vettel would be happy to admit that if he finishes ahead of Lewis there in second, he's more than happy with that. So he wouldn't have had to take any any daft risks. So yeah, I don't think it would have made a difference either way. So I'm I, I'm not fussy with the Ferrari strategy. I think they made. I think it was it was fine. Uh, it just it just didn't work out. I think two interesting things to come from that race were the fact that Friday and Saturday don't seem to have too much. They don't seem to show too much of what's going to happen on a Sunday anymore. Like Friday that is true. On Saturday, yeah, that is true. Well on you know, in the in the last couple of seasons, it definitely felt like whoever won the free practice one and two, you know, okay, they're going to be on pole and then they're going to be they're going to finish first. So yeah, that that, that is that is something interesting. Yeah. And I think as well, Valtteri, I think he's, we can't count him out of the title battle yet. You don't what think do we can count him out? No, nah, I think I don't know. That. To get a pole in a win this early on, settling into a new team, I think it's well, quite impressive. I said last week, after, um, was it Bahrain? It was before Russia. I said Valtteri needs a win in the next two or three races at the absolute most to be considered a title contender and to get the sort of back in and respect and whatever else from his own team to push him into that slot. And I said, he needs next two races, he needs a win and and he's gone out and done it. So you're right. We can't count him out. You can't, you have to, you have to give him the respect. He's won the same amount of races as Lewis this season. So you have to, you know, give him the respect that he deserves. Having said all that, I, I do think, it will come down to to seven and Lewis. I just think it, it, uh, it's, it's difficult because I, I'm so reluctant to put Valtteri in the. I'm so, what was the verb we came up with last week? The Barrichello. To be Barrichello. To be Barrichelloed, possibly. Yeah. I'm so reluctant to put Val, to Barrichello Valtteri so early on in his career because he doesn't. He absolutely does not deserve it. He doesn't deserve to be Barrichello at this stage of his career. But I just think because it's Mercedes, because it's Lewis, he's won titles there already, it'll just happen organically and he will be Barrichello, even though it wouldn't be fair and he hasn't done anything on track to justify being Barrichello yet. I think it's inevitable ultimately. And that's a shame, but that's kind of the way it goes sometimes in F1. And then the only way he will prevent from being Barrichello as if he first happens and just comes out and just smashes it every single week and, and you know, 
forces himself in there with his elbows out. And I thought, I thought you were going to say if Lewis moves the team next year. <laughs> well, <laughs> that might possibly be more realistic. <laughs> like Verstappen's coming to Red Bull, and you know Danny Ricardo's the the ex- more experienced driver, the one who's got Grand Prix wins under his belt. If Verstappen came in uh, into Red Bull and won the Spanish Grand Prix straight off the bat and it was he announced himself he was like bang here I am and right away after one race you felt okay there's two number ones in that team and Bottas kind of has to to force it because if he it's it, it, it would be very very easy for him to be Barrichello he could it could be he could be very easily do you- just do the picking up the points and being the team player and he he has to, it, it's a it's going to be tough for him. He's not, it's not impossible, as he proved this weekend, but he's up against it to prevent that just because of the personality of Lewis in that Mercedes team. If it was any other driver, it might be different, but because it's Lewis, he has that aura about him where he is like, it's, everything's about me and build around me and things like that. So it will be tough for Valtteri to avoid slipping so easily into that number two role. So... You're right, Nicky. We can't rule him out at this stage, but I still, he's, I still see it being an uphill battle for him. Mm. But I'm very happy he's won his first Grand Prix because I do, I do think he's he's an excellent driver. He does seem to like that Russia track. He always has good results there, um, and he clearly found pace in the Merck this weekend that Lewis just didn't. Uh, but I just wonder if that might be that might happen five times a season, and it will be Lewis comprehensively on top 15 times a season that's what I worry yeah I think it was an off weekend for Lewis it wasn't a spectacular weekend by Valtteri if you get my point yeah I think that's probably fair yeah yeah I think I think Lewis definitely had an off week yeah definitely Valtteri probably drove the car Valtteri probably drove the car to its you know what the car is capable of he drove it to its max potential and got the most out of it you didn't necessarily. I don't think you necessarily went above and beyond the way Alonso yeah. will drag a car to different planets sometimes. That's but, it. but um, Lewis was definitely below par. That's there's no doubt about that. And Valtteri just did did what he had to and 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 got the job done. Are we saying it's impossible for him to get the elbows out? Is that is that no, conclusion no, or no? I don't. It's not impossible. I just think it, it's going to. It'll be a big. It's all about his own mentality and his own character. I think. It's, it's not. I think it will come down to more personality than it necessarily will do driving ability. Well, he's finished, we, so he's, we know, he's absolutely yeah. buggered there, Sean. <laughs> we <laughs> we we know he's got. We know he's quick. We know he's a good driver. We know he can go toe to toe with the best. Like we all know that. It's whether he wants to go into that team and demand. I'm here to win. I'm here to challenge. You know the way that Max Verstappen has done that in his first day at Red Bull. And say I don't care who Daniel Ricardo is. Like I'm just as good, and I'm going to prove it right. And and if we're scrapping on track, we're scrapping on track, and that's it. It's it's definitely going to come down to our mentality and personality thing for Valtteri. That'll be the most interesting thing is if we can get Lewis and and Valtteri properly battling it out for a race lead. That will be when we find out what he's made of, you know. And and that's that. So not impossible for him to to do that and to, to demand it it's just whether he might he might not he might think okay i don't need to go 
burning any bridges or causing any ruckuses so early on in my Mercedes career, you might think of the long game and 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 play the team game for a season and and think, okay, I've got a big future in this team. Let's you know if they if I need to play the the Barrichello this season, that's fine because you know I'm five years younger than Lewis and I've got a world championship in the next season or the season after that in May. So let's not worry too much about it now so like I say it's all going to come down to personality and just how much Valtteri wants to go out there and 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 smash it and uh, hopefully it does because it'll make for a better product for us to watch for sure um it's, it's certainly going to be one of the interesting things going forward this weekend has has given him now he's got the monkey off his back so so he's he's you know now he's going to be driving with much less pressure on him and it might just give him that confidence to to, to stick it to Lewis a bit more do you think that's a dangerous game, given that his first season in Mercedes uh, coincides with Ferrari seeming to have the best car? Can he can he actually afford to say, I'll do the Barrichello for a season, assuming that Mercedes will give him a car for well, a championship true. after this year? Yeah, that's Is true. this not actually really better to see this season as his one shot at being in a title-winning car? Um, and realistically, what he needs to do is beat the number one driver at Ferrari and his teammate. It's a fair argument, absolutely. You could easily say that this is Mercedes. You know, next season, who, who's to say they won't not have a winning have a title winning car? It's an absolutely fair point. Uh, again, that's sort of, it's all going to come down to Valtteri, his personality and his mentality. At the end of the day, um, you know, like you say, you, you mentioned his finish, and you know they. They might not give away a much in interviews, <laughs> but they know That's how to. Dr- they're not shy when when it comes to scrapping on the racetrack. Look at you know the, when the two of them got together, Kimi and Valtteri, the last couple of seasons, they've had a few bumps and bruises against each other. So yeah, he might just yeah maybe he will surprise us. Uh, I'm not sure, but th- it's absolutely a fair point you make about maybe this is his time, and it'd be interesting to. You know, be a fly on the wall in the conversations he might have with his inner circle about how he how he approaches things going forward. Of course, there's a there's an interesting historical uh, interesting historical uh, comparison, really, uh, with a uh, one of the other famous Finnish world champions. In that, uh, when Mika started, he joined a team alongside a three-time world champion. Yep. Yeah, the parallels are pretty. And uh, he was very feisty in that, you know, at quality, quality center on on occasions. Uh, less successful in the races comparatively, but um, you know, young young in his career. Obviously, we don't know what Lewis is going to do in future. Uh, how his heart feels about F one going forwards. Um, interesting to see whether Fernando's jaunt into other formula stir something in Lewis to take part in other things other than F1 whilst he's still young and uh, and has the chance to do it and do it well uh, I, Personally I, I'd be extremely surprised if Lewis drives in any other formula other than Formula 1 when he gives up F1 I think it will be to follow his He'll be hanging about music or you know trying to get involved in something like that more than other other racing formula just 
just my personal opinion on it without knowing the guy um, on a I personal level. That just se- seems like his natural progression would be into that sort of side of things that rather than, you know, in an interview once, didn't he say yeah. that once he leaves um, F1, he won't be hanging around Paddock anymore? It's not going to be... Yeah, exactly. But he said, I assume that always meant the, the F1 Paddock, um, because he's he's mentioned NASCAR a couple of times, isn't he? Yeah. He wants to try. Yeah, I can definitely yeah. see him more in NASCAR than like... Um, more than I can't see him doing IndyCar. No. I can't see him doing another single-seater, but I'd imagine that he'd quite fancy having a spin around in a... In, you know, in some closed wheeled stock car type stuff. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Yeah. And he's not going to do rallying, is he? Because that that doesn't seem that doesn't seem him, does it? But I can imagine that the sort of high profile American race series like NASCAR um, might appeal to him. I, I agree. Uh, if he is doing that, then NASCAR does does seem like a fit. But I just I, I see him. I think it, I think in his mind, and, and, and probably rightly so, that F1's the pinnacle of motorsport. And I think I can just, in his head, I can see him thinking anything else would be, you know, he's, he's achieved, if he's, if he's achieved everything in F1, that's him achieved everything in motorsport kind of mentality. That's just, that's just the vibe I get from him. Um, and he would go off and I could see him trying to, you know, produce a music album or, for, I don't know, Something, oh, something, no. something along. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. It would probably, yeah, it would be, it would be terrible, but you could see it, you know, it would because because it's, it's all marketing and brand and money and Team Lewis and all that kind of thing. That's where, that's where I see the the Hamilton sort of empire going post Formula One. He's not. He's, he doesn't strike me as an Alonso or a Raikkonen who's happy racing tractors in a field, you know. Like, <laughs> Or Felipe Massa driving go karts around Interlagos. Like that's not Lewis, is it? You know. So I don't see him doing those types of things. I see him definitely segueing sideways into some kind of <laughs> media. That wasn't that problem. On, on a segue. Literally. On a literal segue. Yeah. Well, why not? Yeah. <laughs> That'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? He said, I'm so used to driving, I refuse to walk anywhere. I should drive everywhere <laughs> on a segue. Having said all of that, I do think it will be at least three seasons before we see the back of him maybe more i do think he still has i think we discussed this last year when we mentioned nico leaving and things like that and with what, what did the future hold for lewis and things i think when when he was fighting with nico i think i could have seen him hanging up a little bit a little bit quicker just because of the you know the, the turmoil and whatever else that was going on at mercedes but now that that's all over and he's got a, mo- a more, you know, chilled teammate and things, I think, um, I think he, I think it might be at least 20, 2020 and beyond before Lewis, before Lewis hangs up. Okay, okay. Yeah. The only thing I want to see Lewis post F one is him getting back with Nicole Scherzinger and then doing them some kind of Kardashian style. That's that's exactly Reality what he'll do. Show. Like you joke, love that. that is exactly the type of thing that Lewis will do. That is so <laughs> like that is exactly what I'm talking about when he's going to go sideways into media and entertainment and that kind of thing. That and is exactly segue. it because it's all <laughs> it's brand Lewis. It's team. It's hashtag Team Lewis. It's marketing and it's you know it's all 
it's all of that nonsense that I, you know, that I can't really stomach. But it, you know, how, how many of his his team Lewis fans are gonna are gonna lap that up? You know, this is it's an opportunity. It's a gold mine for them, and you know, I can see them. I can absolutely see them exploiting that. You know, like I say, he's, he's a different mentality to the to the Raikkonen's and and such who just who just like driving things fast, whether it's a Formula One car or a caravan. Like they just want to drive things fast, and and I don't see Lewis as quite like that. I, but it's a shame because I think he did used to come from that school, and whatever's happened to him in his ten plus year Formula One career seems to have kind of taking that out of him. I think he's been seduced a little bit by the glamour and the glitz and the marketing and, and the pop music and all of that. I think, I think young 22 year old debut in Lewis Hamilton did just want to get in a single seater and drive it fast. And I, I feel like we've lost a little bit of that over the last five years from him. And now he's hanging about with Justin Bieber at the Monaco Grand Prix and whatever else. And yeah. People mature in different ways, and that's his life choice. And if he's happy doing it, then fair play to him. But you know, I just I just see him going a different route than uh, than some of the other guys. I would like to see a Kardashian style Kimi Raikkonen documentary, though. <laughs> just be, just be, yeah, just be watching silence, <laughs> interrupted by adverts. That sounds like <laughs> the best kind of Kardashian. <laughs> <laughs> Just love that. Just him and Mintu sat on a sofa, just not saying anything to one another because that's how it works in Finland. <laughs> so while we talk about Lewis, um, that's because we've managed to talk for like half an hour, not about the Russian Grand Prix, which uh, well, there wasn't really much else to say. No. <laughs> it was one um, at the start. Just just while we talk about Lewis, does uh, can any of you guys shed any light into why he was thirty six seconds behind his teammate this weekend? Because uh, I don't I, know. Was there I, anything? I, Anything that's come out in the press since about you know no. setup or pace or nope. problems or fuel or whatever, anything like that? No. No, he's just no. said he doesn't he doesn't understand what happened and it was just an off weekend and he'll be back at the next race. I think the thirty six sec- seconds is inflated because I think by yeah, the yeah they turned the wick down for like that's something he just went well I, I I'm not getting anywhere near Kimmy so <clears throat> what's the point? But but even still it. If you even account for that, it's 20 plus, you know, which is, like I said at the start, unheard of in the last yeah. three, four years. I mean, years, he was, so. he, it's safe to say that he was still 30 seconds ahead of Max Verstappen, pretty much. So he that really Bull, had. They're going to be in that position all season, aren't they? They, they can't get close to the teams above, but they're a, a country mile ahead of everybody else so they're just going to sit in that hole all season it's going to be a boring season for max and danny ricardo which is a shame because they're two of the top drivers most talented young young guys on the grid who you want to see fight but they're only they're only going to be able to fight with each other by the looks of things um to get back to the race uh and the, the first corner um good old jolly off um, no, I, I I know you love it, and I love it too. That Julian Palmer meme is, is <laughs> it makes me laugh every time. Man. Just thinking about it makes me just I have to say. Um, uh, I Julian. Say, what did I say? 
Yes. What did I say last week about Julian Palmer? Just needs a good weekend when nothing <laughs> happens to him. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he was Grosjean'd. If that's a, <laughs> that's also a verb, isn't it, from Grosjean's first stint in Formula One? <laughs> uh, to be Grosjean, I think. <laughs> to be Fernando unnecessarily Alonso. taken out in the first corner of a race. To be Grosjean. There's going to be a whole chapter of Fernando Alonso's autobiography about being Grosjean. <laughs> <laughs> That spy incident. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, uh, we, we, uh, are you pretty much, I, I assume everybody's pretty much putting all that on Grosjean for taking more than the most optimistic lunge up the yeah. inside of a closing gap? I'm not sure what he thought was going to happen. No. <laughs> he, might, he, he literally mounted the curb to do it. So it wasn't yeah, like yeah. he'd got his right hand wheel within the, the bounds of the corner. He literally went, Oh, look, there's enough space to keep one wheel inside the track limits, and we'll just see what happens. Oh, I've been hit by a Renault. Well, that must be the, <laughs> it must be the Renault's fault because yeah. I'm Sebastian Grosjean. I don't know. And that, in that situation, I'm always kind of inclined to put more of the blame on the guy who's steaming in, <laughs> regardless of whether yes. he's. Regardless of whether he's got his nose ahead or he's coming from ballet or he's braked 50 yards later, whatever, at the end of the day, when the guy's steaming in, they're, they're always going to get I mean, there's a reason why sharper cars at the end of the stick. So. There's a reason why the cars don't go three abreast through that corner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, so, and yeah. found out. Did he get punished for it? I don't recall. No, they, I think they, they just went... Incident? First uh, corner. Yeah. Deal with it, Julian, kind of thing. The interview, <laughs> Pretty much. The, the interviews, they both got interviewed whilst the race was still going on and they both absolutely blamed each other, I think. So that was good. That was good fun. But um, yeah, poor Julian. I mean, his, his radio call was so disheartened as well. He was like, yeah. oh, I'm out. <laughs> like, just It was know. a proper Danny Kvyat <laughs> from last season, yeah. kind oh, of bad. everything. Why is it? Why always me? Kind of thing. It was. But yeah, I'm I'm with you, um, Roman. Yeah, new chairman of the the B the BRDC. Yeah, uh, it's not the BRDC. It's the GPDA. GPDA. That's it. But these all sound like euphemisms for some kind <laughs> of sexual conduct, doesn't it? Like DVDA. So it's like GPDA. What does that? So it's a great Grand Prix Drivers Association, is it? Yeah, that's, yeah. What, it's, that's, what, that's what it's actually called. So well done to Roman for that. Um, Nick, you'd be interested to get your take on Julia because we seem to spend quite a bit of time chatting about Julia in the last uh, couple of weeks and where his future lies and stuff. So what do you reckon? Well, where does Palmer go from here? Well, he hasn't been that lucky, has he? But then again, <laughs> if there's only so much you can blame on luck after all, isn't there? Um, well, I, I've been saying for weeks that he's looking worse than he is because Hulkenberg's driving the wheels off the yeah, panel. Uh, and 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 that's going to put the pressure on him every single week. Um, sure. Do, do you think he'll? Do you think he'll keep his seat beyond the end of the season, or do you think? Can you see a can you see a future for him? Mm, I, it depends on the Fernando situation, but also who else do Renault have to replace him? Who else is going to be available at the end of the year? <clears throat> Almost Science. anybody, I think, is really. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Science is out there. I think you. You've got to look at it and say, if Renault are a team going places, they've got the ability to pick somebody good from another formula. I think yeah. is the the way. I, I I have a feeling that Jolion has that seat because 
they were getting rid of Magnuson and then suddenly went, um, there's probably not anybody we're going to get in mm. right now. Just stick with what we've got. I don't think he's, I don't think he's Renault's first choice. Um, and I do vaguely wonder if it hadn't been for the fact that relations in the team had soured with Magnuson, um, with uh, whatever the name of the guy is who runs Renault. I can't remember what his name is. Is it Cyril? Yeah, yeah that's the guy. I can't remember. Cyril the people. That's the one. I can never. Remember, I don't know how to say his last name. But what is it, Nicky? Me neither. A beatball, I think. <laughs> I hope so. I can't, no. A beatball sounds brilliant. A beatball. <laughs> <laughs> Something a like beatball. that. Sorry. I, send, I uh, thought you said a beach ball at the first. <laughs> Cyril the beach ball. <laughs> I mean, yes, right. It is a beach. I've just looked it up. It is a beach ball. Like, yes, right. <laughs> I'm sure it's more French than that, isn't it? It's just, it, just, it does read a beach ball. It must it? be. It must be abattoir or something like that. Yeah, I'm my worst yeah. French. I don't something. speak any kind of French, so apologies to all. I know we've we've got a lot of a lot of French listeners, obviously. Like. Um, <laughs> um, so well, yeah, <laughs> probably not now after, <laughs> after this. This is his last episode. Ah, it doesn't matter because Romain Grosjean doesn't have a nationality anyway. He's... This is true. He's not really French either. He's Swiss. <laughs> oh, damn it! I refuse he's, to give he's up. Nothing. On him. He's nothing. He's just like you know, whatever. <laughs> whatever. He, wakes, he wakes up in the morning and he goes, "Yeah, okay, I think I'll be just be Jamaican today." <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I, I still think they'd have probably kept Magnuson had the it not gone south within the team. Um, yeah, that that definitely smelt like a a personality politicsy type of thing rather than a who's had a better season in the car type thing. So I'm inclined to agree with you. Um, I don't of course, think... interesting. It, it was just funny enough. I was just working my way down the list of people uh, who could replace Jolion. I think the one that we've really not really thought about and is kind of um, obvious is Danny Kvyat. Who, yeah. if they really wanted to push um, Pierre Gasly up into the seat, sadly, I think Danny is probably the person most. Well, I mean, they're not going to get rid of um, Carlos Sainz, are they? Um, Next, let's, well, let's unless be, Carlos sorry, moves and, on of his own accord. He, so, but, so yeah, there's, let's, there's lots of variables at play there, aren't there? So, but if if the the most likely is obviously that Carlos stays with um, the team, and that if they want to put Gasly up, then Danny goes. Then, yeah. I mean, as best I think at this stage, you'd have to say that Danny's probably a better bet than Jolien, if you look at uh, them. Yeah, I mean, I think that's absolutely true, personally. Um, nothing against Jolien, uh, but yeah, I would, I would take Danny if I was running a Formula 1 team, yeah, quite happily. I think it's unusual for Red Bull to keep a young driver for as long as they have with Danny as well. Mm-hmm. So I kind of reckon this is probably his last year at Toro Rosso. Well, I was quite surprised it wasn't last year, was his yeah, last year, just given exactly. the way everything unfolded, you know, all the drama in that yeah. in that respect. I actually was surprised that he got this season. I thought last season would be the year that he would go. And I was campaigning quite strongly at the time for Williams to take a chance on him when, they, when it became apparent that well. they, they were going to be short of a driver. So given that I thought last year was going to be his last season, then I have to assume that this year will be as well. So yeah, I, but like you say, Carlos Sainz is going to be quite a key sort of pin or pawn or sorry in all the in all the, the fun and games because he's you know, only moving up, isn't he? So that's Yeah, absolutely. That... So does does he go into Raikkonen's seat? 
does Ricardo go into Reckoning seat and Sainz goes into the Red Bull or you know does because we're working on the assumption that Kimmy goes um, yeah Kimmy doesn't go potentially nothing happens in behind he's going to be the chain reaction here mm-hmm. but if the second Kimmy announces he's going then everything becomes everything's in play very interesting really? because everybody going every single driver who isn't driving a Mercedes is probably going to be angling for the Ferrari seat. And then whatever driver does get it, then their seat becomes available and so on and so forth. And just, it, it could be an absolute whirlwind of change. Uh, very, very It'd quickly. be hilarious if, if Nico Rosberg came out of retirement. Oh, and to take ended the up in a <laughs> that would be my favorite thing. Especially that if they were ahead of the Mercedes. I'd just be like, <laughs> And then hilarious. started battling Lewis on the track in a different <laughs> car. That would be the best storytelling. If that Actually, be, it would be even funnier if he said, I'm not here to win the world champion championship. I'm here to get Sebastian Vettel the world championship. And all he did was spoil Lewis's uh, races. Every single race just got in front of him and then stopped him overtaking. If, if F1 was run by a wrestling booker, yes. 100% Nico Rosberg <laughs> drives a Ferrari next season. But somehow I think he's far too happy sitting yes. in his house with his, his lovely wife and his kid. And he keeps Instagramming him, watching it on TV, being like, having the best time, guys. I don't miss it at all, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> like So I don't think we'll see a Nico drive a car again. But if Kimi hung up his, uh, hung up his boots at the end of the season and, and Nico fancied it, oh, that would be such good, just <laughs> such good storytelling. <laughs> So that, that that sounds like a bit of, a bit of a fantasy dream at this stage. I think it's much more likely that some whoever drives a Ferrari next season, I think, will come from Red Bull. Whether it be Ricardo, whether it be Sainz, probably won't be Max, but I think it could be either Danny Rick or Carlos Sainz. Um, so that's going to be the key. And unless Fernando fancies coming groveling back, that would be interesting. Uh, I think there's. I mean, nothing's impossible because we said the same thing about Kimi, didn't we? Once they'd ousted Kimi for Fernando, um, we were kind of like, oh, well, that's, that's you know, Kimi done with the top end of the thing. He'll be driving in the, the low-style seats and bits and pieces the rest of, of his career. And, you know, and, he, and he came back. Um, I think Kimi and Fernando were very different people. Um, I think it's easier for Kimi to come back because I don't think he's got that... Um, not that he's, you know, doesn't rate himself or anything like that, but I don't think he's got the same ego. No, I agree with that. Like he, he I think he goes, yeah, you want me to race? Sure, fine. Yeah, Box yeah. To me. No yeah, problem. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't care. Like, yeah. Like, and and in the most sort of good sense of the word. Yes. The good good sense of the phrase of not caring. Like he cares, but he doesn't. He's not. He's not going to hold any grudges or let things get on top of him or things like that. He just like, yeah, yeah. Like you say, he'll just me race car kind of very simplistic you know <laughs> and that's Kimmy all over and and I, I agree with you in the sense that it is easier for him to to put to let bygones be bygones and whatever whereas Fernando yeah but then he went back to McLaren so mm-hmm. it's a very Fernando's going to be very interesting next season as well I don't know what he's going to do anymore like I really don't that that um that failing to start this weekend and just wandering back to the pit lane by himself, like, uh, what? It, I think I'm I'm worried that this is destroying his love for Formula One and the, and that he will go and do or something else full time next season. I really I'm starting to think that that might happen. 
be a major shame if Fernando Alonso leaves the sport. That would be the biggest shame for for many a year for me in terms of drivers who've who've left F1 because he's still he's still the best probably. He's still he could have had five world championships if he'd had a bit of luck in the right car at the right time and whatever else. So it, yeah, I worry about Fernando. I don't I, I'd be absolutely gutted to see him to see him leave F1 in this fashion if he does. I really, really, really hope it doesn't happen. But I don't know where he goes. Can he stay at McLaren and pray to God that they get it right? Or can he go to Renault but ultimately probably fight in the midfield? Does he swallow the pride and beg Ferrari for a seat? Does he try and get in at Mercedes even though it looks a close shop? I don't know where he goes. Like I I think he stays at at McLaren next season. You think he will? Yeah, I just... I think at this point, it's kind of a case of you put your eggs in the barrel. You've got to just kind of, you know, roll the dice and go, okay, let's, you know, let's see how the rest of this season goes. And if it's not too bad, then we'll just see, see what next season comes. I mean, if the, if the card doesn't improve, if he, if he's still not starting by, you know, the time that we're heading into the final, you know, final few races of the season, then all bets are off. It's different then, I think. Um, and he'll go, and I don't. I don't think even McLaren would probably stop him at that point. Um, it would be impossible for them to put something in his plate that's going to say it's worth another season of this, possibly uh, next season. Uh, I think you know, there's F1 such a weird place, development-wise. It's so it's so weird to look at a team that took an engine that was average last season and decide to redesign it and and clearly make it worse. But that was based, you know, that engine that was average started off the season terrible. Um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't better than the 2015 engine really when they they started the season. It w- wasn't until the middle of the season that they started being more competitive. You know, getting into you know con- consistently into Q2, knocking into Q- into Q3 a couple of times. Um, so it's and that was under a, you know an engine de- development freeze. I think there's the possibility of, you know, within the season, seeing big changes in the engine. So I don't, I think you've got to be very careful to say as disappointing as it must be for him now, um, how much worse is it than being in a Ferrari consistently not winning championships and seeing them, you know, in in front of your fingertips, uh, but for them to always be, just out of reach, as opposed to the disappointment of having, um, you know, a bad car, which you can complain about and all the other bits and pieces, but it's within the parameters of what that team's about right now. I think I think there is a difference. I think to a racer, there are differences. I don't suggest that it's a happy time. I don't suggest that he's happy about how things are going. Um, but I think I don't think it's as clear cut to say, it's been a terrible start to the season. He must be looking to go. He might be, of course. You know, we, we we don't know, but I I don't think it's I don't think it's as easy to say yes, hundred percent. No, of course he's not. off. Yeah. I just with every passing weekend, I worry more that he's just. I just feel like he's absolutely cracking up just with the the radio messages and things. Like it's just he seems. I've never seen him this. He seems exhausted with it almost, and that's that's what's just a bit worrying to me. As 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 his biggest fan, you know, I love Fernando Alonso. I 
was gutted when he left Ferrari, and I'm delighted to have Seb in because I love Seb as well. But I was absolutely gutted when he left Ferrari, and I just it does it. I do feel worried that he'll go. Um, I say I hope I hope he doesn't, and I hope McLaren can turn it around. But I'm just my confidence is at an all time low in the entire operation. Um, I'm not really sure where we go from here to fix it. Nikki, any thoughts on Fernando's future? I think if if Honda do come good eventually, even if Fernando's not there anymore, he, he's still going to take some credit for that, isn't he? <laughs> so I guess that's kind of... Um, I don't know. He's... Uh, he's... Uh, don't know the word I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, brain fed. Um, but that's kind of like... His reputation? No. His legacy? Um, yeah, yeah, legacy. But it's kind of a uh, reward, even though it's not a reward. But he'll he'll know that he was capable of bringing Honda out of the depths of despair, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah, I see what you're saying. It's a, it's a chapter, isn't it, in the history of F1, if you were part of the, the team that... Um, brought back, uh, you know, uh, a historically important partnership to yeah. the sport. Yeah, and I think... Uh, I think that's definitely true. Um, if Honda were to come good when he was still there, it'd mean more to him having w- winning with Honda than it would if he went back to Ferrari and won with Ferrari. I think that's true as well. I think there yeah, is something, he, there's something in that. He's grafted for it, essentially, hasn't he? Yeah, if, exactly. if, he, if, he turn, if it turns around... If he gets it to turn around at, at you know at, at McLaren here, he'll have really, really worked for it more than any potentially any other driver ever has worked at turning around an F one team pretty much. So there will be that ultimate sense of satisfaction, and maybe that's what will drive him going. Maybe that'll be what keeps him here another three seasons. Where he goes right, I've done three years now, I've come this far, I will get this car up the top of the grid, and that might be what sparks him on who knows we don't really know what he's thinking i guess i hope it is that i hope he turns around and says well i've done three years of dragging this i will i will stay here until i get it right if it takes me five years i hope i hope so i hope that is the mentality he's got um we'll see it's just with him doing indycar and things like that and i know we, we discussed at length about how that's definitely good for for all parties but i just wonder if that might just give him the bug of driving something else and going, oh, well, you know, this is actually quite fun. Maybe I could do something else, you know. We'll see. We'll he see. stated in quite a lot of interviews that he still feels that Formula One is where his home is and that's that's where Good. he wants to be and that these are all part of, you know, doing Good. what he wants over his career. So I, I don't fear that other series will lure him away just because it's not good with McLaren at the moment. Uh, and as you say, I think it'll be, he's definitely got probably two, maybe even three seasons, whilst any team would probably be very happy to have him in the team. Yeah. Before he sort of becomes too old to really start con- considering for for top-class seats. Um, one thing uh, that's kind of come up related, um, and is very interesting when you look at uh, the finishes in Russia, uh, last two places taken by Sauber 
Yep. So, however, however crap the McLaren, the Honda engine is in what is the suggestion is a fairly you know good car with a crap engine in it. Um, the series must be both a crap car and a crap engine. Um, with last year's Ferrari engine in it. However, they have signed up to be the first Honda customer for next season. That's... Right. <laughs> what do you say about that? What, what do we reckon? Well, it can only be a good thing for Honda, yes. can't it? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's certainly Honda get the best out of it, don't they? Um, and, and Sauber? Well, Sauber can't possibly lose anything. Well, they're already last. <laughs> they're already last with last year's engine, which won't get any better. It can't get any better because Ferrari aren't developing it, as opposed to what is currently a very bad engine, uh, which, they pro- which they're not getting. It's important to remember that, that there's another year's worth of development going into the engine that they'll actually work with. Um, uh, and that engine will continue to be developed by, <clears throat> by Honda in, in partnership with McLaren. Um, it helps McLaren in terms of the fact that Honda get double the data without it being tied into just the uh, McLaren package. So as the works team, they'll benefit from any of the data that comes from Sauber and Sauber will be less uh, affected by what's going on at McLaren. Although ultimately, whatever is good for McLaren in terms of creating a good engine should have a trickle-down effect to what they're doing. Uh, and at the end of the day, it must be, it must be, that Honda are offering those engines at a price which is less than a year-old Ferrari engine. That's that could that ultimately will be the bottom line for Sauber, as has become apparent over the last two seasons. They will do whatever they can that is cheapest. Whatever is cheapest, that's where you'll find Sauber. They are the literal Formula One bargain basement shoppers, and. Yeah, it, it looks they must. They must. They, I agree. The only conclusion can be is that Honda have thought we'll give them at such a cut price so we can get the development and ultimately help what is effectively the Honda Works team in McLaren. You know, there's that. Those two, the McLaren Honda, you know, partnership is so, you know, so tight together that. It's, it's 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 not it's not a Honda Works team, but it's as closest thing as you're going to get to a Honda Works team. So they yeah they must be offering them at a cheap price. And Sauber being the the absolute skinflints that they are, I've gone yeah we'll take cheap engines even if they're rubbish. <laughs> like so there yeah. was a suggestion that they were getting the engines for free. I don't know how true that is. Which would be, but I don't see it being very likely. They're just a joke, Cyber. Honestly, like they're an it's, absolute. It's bad. Joke. It's bad days for the team, really. I think it's uh, it's not a team that. Well, no, but then twelve. Uh, they were really good. I think. I think the way that you. The problem that they've had is that Peter Sauber, as a team principal, is, I think was more ambitious, hmm. and I think in a way more of a racer at heart than necessarily just you know about running a a formula 1 team and essentially he's really been replaced by people who aren't necessarily racers um or 
possibly don't have racing in their blood in the same way. Hmm. So, Manisha Kaltenborn, who uh, I hesitate to say is a bad team principal, but I think she, I think she probably is. <laughs> it's very difficult because I'm not hesitating. <laughs> The so lack of some... organisation and bad decisions at that at that at team of it's more than a one-off bad decision. Yeah. It's She's a made consistent... some very public bad decisions, but you but don't feel... know what other good stuff happens in the background that has made that team be able to continue when maybe others would have, you know, let it fold. Sure. Uh, there just seems to be a consistent lack of anything like. Like you say, ambition, leadership, organisation. None of those things I would associate with Manisha Kaltenborn. So, kind of saying all that, if Honda were looking for a cheap route back into Formula 1, wouldn't buying Sauber be a simple and easy way to get back into the grid? If they wanted a works team. Yeah. Yeah, they, they could do. Do they want to? I think they're quite happy with the McLaren setup, but they're not. Well, you of course wonder how long <laughs> they can work with a team that keeps publicly stating how bad the engines are, not just from Alonso, because the rest of the team is starting to say it now. It's, you'd never hear Eric Boulier saying anything negative about uh, Honda in the last two seasons, but it's started to creep into the thing now of them saying, look, pretty sure we've got the car there. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. the engine. And you know, for a Japanese company, that kind of sort of public condemnation cannot be easy to take. Um, so do whereas, you think they and, might... Sorry, carry on. Well, I was thinking, you know, if, if they wanted to um, to come back into the sport in a meaningful way, the, the simplest thing to do would be to make their own works team again um, and follow the Mercedes point of view of get in, do the best you can within the current rule set and look to make an impact, you know, three seasons after you've started, once you've put your sizable manufacturer um, knee into the back of the FIA to say, hello, you need us to keep this sport running. How about you change the engines so that they fit in with this vision of what we would like to see an F1 engine being? that's that's a way of turning around your fortunes without having to rely uh, on another team for all of your sort of public relations responsibilities because nobody's really asking Honda in depth publicly about what's going on with the engines. They ask McLaren, uh, so you get the McLaren answer. You don't necessarily get the you know the answer that Honda would like to give. I just think it's interesting. I, I, I get the feeling that probably what will happen is that we'll uh, see the end of Pascal Verlein in that car uh, first to be replaced by an Japanese driver. Um, possibly, uh, oh, what's his name from GP? Nobuharu Matsushita. Matsushita, that's it. Um, who uh, obviously was mooted has been mooted around the McLaren team as a sort of reserve development driver or whatever it is that they call them these days. Um, so getting him into formula one would be a thing. Uh, they could probably do that with just the engines. So that's not the only thing to, to consider. 
to, but there is no, obviously there is obviously no Japanese team on the grid at the moment. It's a big, it's a big opportunity if they, you know, they kind of want to take it. it was it was different when there was Toyota there as well. I think, I think that makes a difference. But they mm-hmm. would have a an open F1 paddock to be the the Japanese team who could be with the right, you know, with the amount of money that they've probably got to be able to throw at it, able to put a shine on some of the other manufacturer teams. You know, could they be better than Renault? That would be a bit of a coup, wouldn't it? Really, sort of to be sort of doing it um, ahead of a big European manufacturer. I think that's a, I don't think it can be discounted anyway. That's, that's my feeling on it. I just wonder if Honda had a works team, if McLaren would be more annoyed by that, if they suddenly became a customer team. Well, they're in. <laughs> that's the long-term dilemma for McLaren, isn't it? Is yeah they were never going to be able to be the only team supplied by Honda for the rest of time. Um, I don't even think the regulations allow that these days, do they? I think suppliers have to supply more than one team on the grid um, long-term. I think they got an exemption for it, for Honda coming back in. But um, I don't I don't know how long that, that situation would have been actually tenable. Uh, and at that point, once Honda are invested in other teams... It's a big company with lots of money to to throw out a project. Could it ever have been completely off the agenda? I don't really see how it could have been. I'm sure McLaren must have thought about it. I think we will only see a a Honda Works team if if McLaren sever ties with Honda first. That would be my theory. I think if McLaren, after, say, another 18 months, still aren't getting anywhere near like the engine they need and decide to move on, then we might see a Honda Works team. But I would be surprised if we see it in, um, you know, alongside the McLaren at this stage. It just, just, just the way that those two, the McLaren-Honda partnership seems to have gone, it seems to me like that, that, that works for Honda, it works for McLaren, to an extent, whilst they're not getting the performance at the engine, obviously, but the politics and, and the way actually the, the two organisations have fitted together seems to work. And I think unless McLaren chooses to, to cut that, I think I, I just can't see Honda going fully fledged with a team. Might be wrong, but that that would be my that would be my guess. Uh. So speaking of new teams, it's not really a new team at all, but there has been um, some rumours floating about F1 of a return of the Brabham mark to Formula One, taking over Force India uh, to become essentially uh, the same kind of business model as McLaren, really. It's, the, it's there to promote um, a supercar brand. What do people think about that, really? I, I've been struggling to come to come, some kind of conclusion myself, so I'll turn that one over to everybody else. Hmm. I think getting an iconic name back in the sport can't be a bad thing, can it? Yeah, I agree. I was, it was a bit like when the Aston Martin rumours floated. I was, I was well up for that. So, yeah, um, whether anything comes of it or not, because uh, as with Aston Martin, it seemed to... Those rumours seem to die as quickly as they 
as they started. But yeah, why not? I don't really have a, an awful lot to say about it. Just yeah, sure. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> keeps Force India in the game. You know, you know, we know they don't have the most finances in the world, so whatever keeps that team competitive and progressing the way it has, because there's no doubt it's progressed nicely over the last three or four seasons. So whatever keeps that ball rolling, if it means a sale to a brand like Brabham and that creates a little bit more finance and what have you, then yeah, can only be a good thing. I, I'm a bit sceptical whether it would whether anything will actually come off it, just just because, you know, we've been here before with Force India and with famous car brands. So I'm I'm pretty sceptical at this stage, but if it comes, it comes, yeah. Cool. Uh, so whilst we're all here, something popped up in uh, the press, uh, an article from a, a female journalist in the States uh, talking about Fernando Alonso and the Indy 500 and suggesting uh, that in fact it wasn't a big deal at all uh, that it doesn't do anything for IndyCar and they'd have been much better getting Danica Patrick or some other NASCAR drivers uh, to drive in instead Um I think she mentioned that her 13-year-old daughter didn't know who Fernando Alonso was, so that told her that, you know, he's meaningless in terms of uh, being able to boost IndyCar's uh, stock in the world. Did anybody else read this this article? I haven't, but isn't it the isn't that the point now that people don't know who Fernando is? So it's going to be good for F1 and. For IndyCar, vice versa, that'll bring a whole new audience to F1 and a whole new audience to IndyCar. Yes, well, I mean, she's pointing it out from really her point of view that she doesn't care what's good for Formula One. She doesn't watch it. She's got she quite clearly has no real knowledge of it. Um, if if her point is entirely based on showing a picture to a 13 year old child who <clears throat> probably has never watched anything other than what her mother watches for her job. Uh, and not being able to recognise him. That's not, you know, it, it's clearly not a, a story, but it was, it it, uh, it caused a lot of sort of eruptions. So I just wondered if, if I, any of you guys had sort of kind of come across it and and had a thought on it, really. That um, I, haven't, I haven't seen the article, but this is just, I don't know, American arrogance, or arrogance is maybe the wrong word, but ignorance is probably a better word than arrogance. Like, yeah, F one isn't the biggest, uh, isn't as big in America as it is over in Europe. Like that's fine, but I haven't read the article, so I guess I can't be too jumping to conclusions. But it just seems a little bit like unnecessary. Uh, it seems a little bit. It, it just feels a bit, you know, shock jock, um, clickbaity. Trying to be Katie Hopkins controversial just for the sake of it to get because this is what these people have to do now to to generate clicks and likes and shares and ultimately income for themselves and their employer. So I think it's more of a reflection on wider poor journalism 
Formula One, motorsport, whatever, it isn't the only place where you're going to see crappy journalism like this. And that's what it is. It's just crappy journalism. So, yeah, you don't know Fernando Alonso is good for you. You will soon, kind of thing. He'll know who he is when he bloody wins your your famous race. <laughs> I think that article, that article is the kind of thing that is going to be shared on the Monday after he wins, if he wins. <laughs> I want him to win so badly now. <laughs> I, want him to win. I want him to win anyway. But I want him to win so badly. And yeah, like it's just a, like I say, it's more, I feel like it's more of a reflection of the state of a lot of journalism these days. And, and the social media age where everybody feels like they need a, an axe to grind or a, a snappy controversial headline just to generate generate the traction that they need which is which is a shame but um yeah like what can you say if he turns up and uh and absolutely smashes it out the park then that'll be brilliant okay I keep... let's, let's, i'm just reading the article now trust me she's a valuable gauge of what trending that's this is the writer of the article in reference to our daughter. Trust me, she's a valuable gauge of what's trending. All right. Okay. We'll just trust you, will we? I already dislike this author and I don't I've never read anything of her or what um again, final paragraph. Alonso question mark. Meh. Like, yeah, it's just gutter journalism. I'm not gonna give it any more time. It's gutter journalism. Moving on. I like the end of it where she says put Lewis Hamilton in it and it'll be better. What difference is that going to make? Yeah, so, I love it. She's specific, but Lewis Hamilton in Snapchat is is ultimately worth more. Yeah, um, because it's just it's 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 crap journalism with American ignorance all into one. So, yeah, that's enough of that. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's the review. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know who, who she's wrote this for. Uh, what publication? But um, if she wants to come over and cover Formula One in, in this country, we can maybe put her on to the Daily Star, someone like that. She might get away. <laughs> wow. Damned with, uh, <laughs> with that one, I think. First well, comment. First hmm. comment knows what's up. First comment on the article knows exactly what's up. Yep, there it is. The dumbest thing I've read all year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Another well, comment. Uh, this article is based on the opinion of a 13-year-old. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Right? I've said, like I say, moving on. Uh, <laughs> I think with that, I'm kind of glad I've upset you so much on a Saturday evening, Sean. <laughs> I just go out and cause havoc in uh, Edinburgh. To be fair, gutter journalism is one of my triggers. <laughs> <laughs> We're full of it these days in this bloody country. <laughs> uh so I think that um, that'll probably be a good place to to wrap up the podcast for this week. Uh, so first, I'd like to thank Nikki for coming on and uh, joining us this week. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, absolutely good. I'm, I'm, Just I'm... before we go, guys, uh, Russian Grand Prix scene is you know we, do, we sort oh. of kind of half oh, yeah, reviewed that's, it. That's what, we're, that's what we're here for, isn't it? Um, Max was in elite uh, in his own little pocket behind our top two. Another good weekend for Force India. Disappointing weekend for Williams. Anything got anybody to say? Anything to say Lance, on Williams? Lance Stroll finished, like, you know, 
Did you see the story about that? <laughs> no, but he, he didn't know what to do at the end of the race. He didn't know he had <laughs> Actually, we didn't cover the best radio message I've ever heard. In sure, that should be his engineer telling him what to do anyway. But carry on. Sorry, what was the best radio message? It was Kimmy Rockinins. How did we end up behind <laughs> Bottas when he came it's the thing? Yeah, he was leading the race. race. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it was the other way around. It was a complete <laughs> lack of awareness of what was going on. It's tremendous. <sighs> It's just my favourite thing. He says, oh, how did that happen? Uh... He's been in first since lab one, Jimmy. Yeah. It was good. <laughs> but yeah, um, just, you know, we've discussed it enough, but the Russia Grand Prix, it wasn't good. Is it the, the track? I, I've got a major bugbear with the track. I think it's... It's a terrible track. Probably the worst mm. track I've ever seen. I said earlier, <clears throat> before we started recording, tell me that, that might be the worst Grand Prix I've ever watched in my whole life. It's possible, actually. I've, I, I've not got the greatest memory for going back. I mean, I've been watching Formula One for 15, 20, between 15 and 20 years. And I don't have a memory for what happened at Mangy Coor 2005, for example, or something mm-hmm. stupid like that. But that, that might be the worst Grand Prix I've, I've, I've literally ever seen. And that's really, really sad because I was very positive about the the season up to that point, and I still am because I think it was a you know an anomaly and a fluke that we just it's just a bad, bad, bad racetrack. And I just wanted to see what you guys thought about that. Do you think it's all down to the racetrack? Is it down to yeah. the regs? Is it it's, down to what? What is it down to? Why was it so bad? Kind of thing. Uh, it, it's ninety percent the track, I think. There. Yeah, I think the I, I mean, I agree. I don't think this year's regs help it because you've got harder tires. Uh, they used an and... ultra soft tire for like 40 laps. That's yeah. ludicrous. Um, that is ludicrous. And it's difficult to pass. We, we just talked in the last few races about saying, about having to argue that whilst we've seen a couple of very spectacular, good looking passes, we've seen a lot less of them, you know, <laughs> like regardless of the bye passes. I just, uh, you know, I didn't realize uh, you would hear that. I so think clear. the stat just me, like, put my from this race <laughs> is that there was one was overtake like, like a uh, on track End of the show. In, the, in the first lap, and that was Marcus <laughs> Ericsson on, on, on Pascal Verlein for Sandwich's <laughs> last place. We? we saw that on the TV. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that, is grim. And that is grim. And, and that backs up my point about it being the worst Grand Prix I've ever seen. The only way you could have saved a Grand Prix like this is if there was a refueling strategy and you had people going long, going short on fuel, that kind of thing. So you would have discrepancies in the fuel load, meaning you'd have cars coming up against each other at different weights and could battle on track and things like that. That's the only way that you could have saved this race. This this racetrack cannot work in these regulations. Um, and I, there was a shot of Bernie and... The American lad is it Chase? Yep, Chase is his name. Chase with, Carey with the, the the Russian government, Putin, and uh, whoever else was as important from that side, and it just stunk of. Okay, so that's why we're having to watch this garbage because this because Bernie's wanting to suck up to to the Russian to the Russian big shots. That's why we're watching this crap, not because any sporting reason whatsoever. That's exactly it. And that was just, it just it just left a wee bit of just a sour note on what's been for me a very positive start to the season. I'm glad it's out of the way. 
we can move on um, and and crack on. We'll get to the European season and we'll get some, some proper racetracks because this was not good. And I don't want to be negative because we are in for a good title race. The Mercedes and the Ferrari are equally quick. And it should be good all the way to the line this year. It could literally go to the last day of the season. So hopefully that's the negative many ran out of the way for the next six months and we can crack on with a good year because this this was bad. If we get to December and this was the worst race of the season, then you know we'll take that. It can only you know, nothing else that can come from the rest of this year can be as bad as that. <laughs> That's the positive that I'm looking at. Every single week from now to the end of the season will be better than what we've just seen. <laughs> so, yeah, wasn't good, but we move on. Uh, indeed, Sp- Spain next week. I think so. Yeah, I say that with um, not being 100% convinced because. My key memory, but so yep, Spain and then Monaco. So we're getting to the European season, then we disappear off for that, you know, middle of the year Canada that, that tends to happen in June. But yes. it's interesting. The, the reason I do mention that is because the the new guys um that took over from Bernie, who I'm still not fully sure of their names, did say this week that they wanted to do a like a block the calendar into more geographical sort of oh, yes. did you see that so i did i did see what, that what, what, what did you make of that it seems like a good idea to me it makes sense i mean it's, <laughs> it, it can't be any any less retarded than the route that we take currently in formula one to go. is that is that spain monaco canada azerbaijan then back for austria britain etc so yeah that does seem a little bit unnecessary they go on about saving costs and stuff well surely surely segmenting it into sort of continents and stuff can only be a bit more well, I, pr- pragmatic. I've said that, and I feel that um, if you do that, you have the ability to split the championship into um, almost mini cups. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. you can have a you know a Far East race, uh, a European race one, and a European race two because there's so many races in Europe. You know, a, a race of the America, you know, uh, the, uh, an America's Cup for um, USA, Mexico, and Brazil and Canada, um, uh, and whatever ways you want to, you know, a, a Desert Cup for all the Middle Eastern races. And I think that makes sense. And what it, I think, it allows you to do is um, look at uh, instead of having to be a year-long chase for one title. Um, you know, ultimately the driver's title is still going to take precedence, but it'd be interesting to see that you, you know you could have somebody who happens to do very well in uh, one section of it gets to be the you know the America's champ and uh, the European champ and you know the Asian champ, which I think just well, what I think it, it does is is make the races that are geographically closer to people feel more important. Um, because these days, you know, what people fight over is the first race of the season, which is going to be Australia, and it is and is never going to change probably for um, a good while. But then the, the fight was all over, you know, who is going to be the last couple of races because that's where the title is going to be decided. Well, it'd be quite nice, wouldn't it, if um, you could have a see, you know, seasons where it would be interesting to see who won, you know, from the first four races that were all in the in the Far East, 
um, who was going to be the the Asian Cup champion um, before heading into the the, the next round. Um, I think it gives something for people to concentrate on that isn't just drivers and constructors. Silence. What a great idea I've come up with. Hurrah! (laughs) I wonder if something like that would become like the drive of the day is. You know what I mean? Well, no, because that was gets awarded to Max Verstappen. I can't. can't, You can't have the Max Max Verstappen Verstappen Cup. (laughs) Awarded to the best Max Verstappen across four races. (laughs) Be a a shape of his of his father's head. I came up with a calendar idea the other day, or a little while back. How about having a wild card? Did they all have doors with chocolate behind them? (laughs) (laughs) How how about having a wild card Grand Prix each year for circuits that can't afford to host a contract year in, year out, but want to host a Grand Prix occasionally? I've I've always said that I don't see why it has to be the same races every single year. I don't understand. Do you remember when the European Grand Prix used to, it yeah. moved about, didn't it? So, mm. you know, it was San Marino and then it was here and then it was somewhere else. I quite like that idea that there was, you know, I'd have, I'd have liked that more if that changed every single year, that the European Grand Prix was held, you know, yeah. was held at different venues. And I think it'd be quite interesting. I think you, I think you need to have some races that are always there. So you need like maybe yeah, the Australian yeah. Grand, Grand Prix, you need the British Grand Prix, uh, Germany, Spa, Monaco. Monaco. Monza. There's at least there's at least twelve or thirteen that I would have every single year without fail. Yeah. But you and could, then, and then there's could, probably if you think about Abu Dhabi and Bahrain. Um, pro- I would probably cut. I would cut Abu Dhabi and never have it ever again. But we, but we, you know we, what go, I mean? we go there. We go there politically rather than racing. Yeah. Obvious, but but you could flick between those two races, couldn't you? Every from single, a, every single yeah. year. Or, or oh, absolutely. Could, yeah. Uh, uh, that would be, yeah, that would be a better, personally, that would be a better solution. If, if I was given the option now of having 50-50 split year on year between Barry and Abu Dhabi rather than having both on the calendar, then yeah, I would take that. If it meant, if the trade-off meant getting San Marino or Mangi Coeur or even somewhere like Argentina or something on the on the. But like on, France, the, on the calendar. If you think about France, you know the the Spanish Grand Prix is, is not one of the greatest on the on the calendar. It's not a bad race in and of itself. But it would be nice. I think you'd appreciate it more if it wasn't put on you every single year. And it's you know, and it it was Barcelona one year and then um, mainly called the next. See, I'm no lover. I'm no lover of Catalonia at all. Like I am absolutely am it. But it's, I, it's, I, I would but, still want it on the calendar every year just because. Yeah. I would want it on every single year. Though, so, like we were saying, rotate it with my I, 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 it's just one of those ones. It's that 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 has to be there for me. Like sometimes Monza isn't the greatest race, but I want it there every year. Yeah, absolutely. Like, just from a traditionalist sort of mindset, which I, which I which I am. So, like, but like I said, there's at least ten to between ten and fifteen that I would want there every year, and then maybe three or four that I could maybe see rotation. Um. But yeah, like so, I would definitely Australia stays number one first race of season for me every single year, and then I'm keeping without fail Spain, Monaco, Canada, Austria. Well, maybe not Austria, but Britain, Spa, Monza, Suzuka, Mangikura. So there's probably about ten that I would keep locked in no matter what. And Hockenheim, if we can get it sorted out. 
probably should be in that list as well. But uh, And then, yeah, it's, <laughs> there's no coincidence that it's the European ones that I'm locking in because just they, to me, they're the best tracks. They're still the best tracks that we have, the European ones. Um, and the rest, the, the Asian ones, the, the desert ones, the America ones, I can... You know, I could I could see a rotation system working there, but for me, the the, the European racetracks are still the cre the creme de la creme because of what they are. They've been here for the longest. They're the most iconic. So it's not just the track action; it's the history that goes with it. And they're still they're still the the elite tracks for me. And if we wanted to come up with a system where we rotated the newer tracks, then I would be all for that. But the 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 old ones have to stay. For me, and I, I'm I'm really pleased that it looks like we're getting my core back because it falls into that category, and it's a shame that we haven't had a French Grand Prix for so many years. Nikki, anything? Well, yeah. As well, if you did the wildcard thing, you could have you could do something different with it, like have a New York Grand Prix, have a London Grand Prix, just a one-off thing, and it doesn't have to be yeah. a yearly obligation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I would, I would quite like to see a New York Grand Prix or a London Grand Prix. But equally, I don't want to see it five times in a row yeah. or ten years in a row. Something special. You make a good point. Like Singapore Night Race, I'd have liked that once or twice. Or once but, every three years or something like um, that. So you'd yeah. be like, oh, it's time for Singapore. We, you know, we, you yeah. know, it'd be but interesting to see it, that again. We've had it ten years, and I'm over it. It's not the greatest track in the world. The night gimmick has long since worn off. Because we've had it ten years in a row, so yeah, there certainly can certainly see the argument. If we'd only had the Singapore Grand Prix three or four times in the last decade, then absolutely, I'd probably still be quite interested in it. But now, when Singapore comes along, it comes off the back of Monza and Belgium and Silverstone, etc., and you think, oh, we've just had some belters that span Monza, and now we've got Singapore. Mm, not so good now. It's a bit of a dip. And you should never feel like that. You know, you should always feel like, oh yeah, it's that track. So definitely can see your argument there with with regards to tracks like Singapore and probably Abu Dhabi and Bahrain and yeah, there's maybe a couple of other ones in there. India maybe. Uh, so that's what that. I was thinking. It's places like India and Korea and maybe Turkey um, who have circuits that I think were were good circuits. Um, they certainly weren't terrible. Um, that would benefit from being able to host a, an F1 race every now and again without the Bernie Eccleston commitment to mm. pay me billions for, for for five years and then you'll pay me even more billions to continue to host the race. Certainly something that I think is a lot more likely to happen under the new regime and not something that I would entirely rule out under the new regime. There do seem to be a lot more... Uh, that was the word flexible, liberal with this kind of with, with with playing around with the structure and things like that. They seem to be more open minded about about trying things like this. Whereas... They literally said in they literally said in an interview this week that they felt that Formula One said no too often, too yeah. easily in the past, and that they want to um, have people coming to them with ideas yeah. and really think about them and take them on. And Good. I think that and that's the way it should be, yeah. because Bernie, you know, was what's the bottom line, what's the dollar in the pocket, hard man negotiation. And that made him what he is and it made the sport what it is. But we've kind of moved on from that and we've talked about Bernie enough in the past. It is definitely the right time for the approach that, that the new guys seem to be taking. So 
that's good. Yeah, it can only be a good thing. Cool. Anything else happening? No, <laughs> I don't think so. He made a good choice coming back. I reckon. Yeah, he's done all right for himself, he's hasn't, he? All right, hasn't he? I, I mean, he, he's he's chosen to come back again against possibly the easiest teammate to have. After after years yeah, of being I mean, stuck in cars against somebody else or against somebody else on the track, it's incredibly difficult to to race. Um, he, he's got an easy time of looking of being made to look very good in that way. He was out qualified at every race, but one last year. This year, he's out qualified his teammate every race so far. Don't know if that says more about Felipe or more it's about. Bit, it's a bit like he. It's a. It's a bit like, like watching. Um, like an adult play a child at a board game and the adult is completely obsessed about winning at all costs. And there's this like this poor little sort of like <laughs> sat across like they're playing Monopoly and the, the adult's got like three or four sets and the child's got like the electric works and f- 50 pounds in their bank account. Uh, you know, the child lands on Mayfair and the, <laughs> the, the adult slams his hand down on the, on the table going, yes, right, you owe me. One thousand six hundred pounds. <laughs> Child starts to tear up a little bit. <laughs> so I just want to play. <laughs> Interestingly, not to go back to Lewis, who we talked about at length, but um, but you're going to Sunday Sunday Times rich list, richest sportsman in the UK, Hamilton. How much you, have you read the article? Do you know how much he's worth? A uh, hundred and thirty odd million, something like 130 that. Hundred and thirty million, and he beat Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Wayne Rooney and Jensen Button to that top top well, spot. See, Interesting that they're a... earning more than the footballers who get all of this. Oh my God, footballers' wages—you know—hysteria that goes on in in social media and the press and stuff. But I mean, I know a lot of Lucy stuff will come from sponsorship rather than salary. But still, you know, you—that's not a bad effort to be thirty-one and worth one hundred thirty million. Like, well, I'm, I'm trying to work out. Doesn't Lewis Hamilton live in Monaco? Well, that's why the article does talk about that. If you've if you've read it, it says, but but the whole point is it's the British rich list, isn't it? Yeah, but then yeah. And if you look, if you look at top three people on it, one of them doesn't live in the UK, and one of them isn't British. I don't really understand the criteria <laughs> so, of what it takes yeah, yeah. to be one of the people in... in Britain. So Zlatan's on it because he's living in Britain, and Lewis. But is he's on not it. British. And Lewis is on it because he's British, but British, doesn't live in, Britain, doesn't live in so Britain. It feels a bit like they've just made it up as a go along. Yes. But... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Jensen Button lives in Monaco. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a, the, the, he, he was getting stick for living in Monaco, and people, he's had a wee pop. I don't know if you've read it, but he said, "What people don't realise is that I do pay tax here. I might not earn all my money here." but I pay tax here and other places abroad. I pay a lot. And then he goes on to say, not only that, I help keep a team of more than a thousand people employed. <laughs> There's no way Lewis Hamilton employs a thousand people. <laughs> like, I mean, he could probably employs, afford to, but... The team, you know, the team employs a thousand people. Mercedes Benz employ a thousand team, people, Lewis. You are one of those a thousand exactly, people. Exactly, that's true, isn't he? He's one of these. <laughs> you people. don't employ a thousand people. Come on now. But yeah, yes, but the Mercedes team aren't going to fold if Lewis Hamilton yeah, isn't driving for them. Ex- I mean, exactly. It's just a little bit, you know, a little bit of egomania from Mr. Hamilton there. But fair play, 130 million at 31. He's been in the sport 10. I mean, I'm just, I keep saying 31. Is he 31? I'm just guessing with his age there. Um, I think he's. I think about it's that. about that, isn't he? Uh, 
10 years he's been in the sport, so he's averaged £13 million in his professional career per year. Not a bad effort. That's more than, most foot- that's more than footballers anyway. That's all. It's, it's the sponsorship, isn't it? Like Sponsorship's well, worth such huge money these days to these guys. Rory McIlroy in the golf was getting £25 million a year or something just to yeah. twat about in night clothes. So that's where the money is for these guys now. It doesn't matter how much the team pays them because they're going to get that times of 10 or 15 just through sponsorship so fair play Lewis you know he's he's, he's certainly not going to go hungry and that's for sure <laughs> Jensen Button doing well for himself in 46 million though longer career uh, longer career yet less money so you know Jensen's obviously not quite the brand that Lewis is sponsors doesn't do too badly with him, I don't think. He's been in quite a few adverts and stuff. But I'd probably suggest that with the lifestyle that Jensen Buttons, Buttons <laughs> Did he led spent more money. The, the, <laughs> min- the minimum between the two things. Like, I Lewis love probably that. doesn't have to buy anything because there he just gets, you know, people say, Oh, please wear our clothes, drive our cars, drink our champagne. Or, <laughs> I love that I love the idea that Buttons got fifty million less because he's partied it away. Yes. I love that idea. <laughs> I'd really yeah, like Lewis, to think that. Yes, you may have fifty more million. Look at my boat and look at all these, these all this stuff I have. Like look at the trail of supermodels I've left behind me. Yeah. I love Jensen. God bless. God bless Jensen Button, man. Well, okay then, guys. I think nice, that's a nice um, little bit of fluff before we head off. Then, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that takes us nicely to the end of the uh, podcast. Uh, before we uh, were just about to end the podcast about 20 minutes ago, and we're, we're still talking now. So, um, Nikki, thank you very much for coming on. Um, You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Tell the nice people at home where they can come and find you on that there, them interwebs. Uh, you can find me at lightsoutblog.com and on Twitter at lightsoutf1 blog. Sweet. Uh, can I, I, follow, I follow lightsoutf1 who had a tweet earlier about said, Surprised that uh, most people are now converting to Sebastian Vettel being oh, yeah. for the World Championship. Yeah, who picked him in the season preview? This, <laughs> this, guy, this guy here, dude, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, moving on. I like making them go. Hey, I shouldn't go too much. It's far too long in the season. <laughs> Absolutely. Far too long to go. Yeah. I'm going to enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah, <laughs> you, can, uh, you can catch me on, on at Firebolt Willow. Uh, and you can find me if you particularly want to. I don't use it. I tweet everything from the last lap podcast account rather than my own because I forget to switch them. But um, yeah, you can find me at Man Called Megs. Uh, but the podcast is available from www.lastlappodcast.co.uk whenever a new episode comes out. That's always the first place it will come out to. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Last Lap Podcast. Uh, we're sort of on Facebook. I'll apologize to everybody who uh, follows us on Facebook. I haven't done very much on there because I've been very busy. Um, like about everything really uh and importantly if you want to subscribe to the podcast you can do so via itunes uh seem to be rebranded apple podcasts for no apparent reason uh tune in uh who were probably going to be very annoyed that they thought they'd come up with a very snappy brand that sounded a bit like itunes only for itunes to change its name uh and stitcher which makes no sense to anybody but you can download this from there as well uh so thank you very much for listening guys uh we will speak to you again after spain Uh, Thanks very much for tuning in and we'll see you then. Bye-bye. Cheers.